Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. Today's guest is Luis Nasvitis Torres. Luis is a senior legislative representative at Earth Justice, our nation's public interest environmental law organization that works to promote access to clean, affordable, reliable, and sustainable energy sources to mitigate the effects of climate change, to create jobs, and to improve the health of our communities. We'll talk about the court cases Earth Justice is working on that affect many Latinx communities. Thank you for following The Jesse Garcia Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Attention Latinx Familia, Census Day is fast approaching, and I want to remind you to please participate in the 2020 Census to help ensure your community doesn't miss out on its fair share of political representation and resources. The U.S. Census determines how congressional districts are drawn, seats in the House of Representatives, and how much money communities get for things like roads, schools, and other services. Recent events in Washington have made some in the community afraid to fill out the form, but rest assured all information is kept confidential. It is especially important for the Latinx community to denote that they are Hispanic on the census form because that information is used for the implementation of key civil rights policies and fair labor practices and the Voting Rights Act. For more information about the U.S. Census, visit census.gov or visit the bilingual site agasecontar.org. That's H A G A. S-E-C-O-N-T-A-R dot O-R-G. That site contains helpful information about the census and the Latinx community in English and Spanish, courtesy of the Naleo Education Fund. According to the Environmental Defense Fund, Latinx people are more vulnerable to the effects of climate change because of where we live and work. More than half of Latinx Americans live in three states that are already experiencing serious effects related to climate change. Historic drought in California, record-breaking heat in Texas, and increased sea level rise and flooding in Florida. Nearly one in two Latinx people in the U.S. live in counties that frequently violate standards for ground-level ozone a key component of smog that exacerbates asthma and other respiratory illnesses. Combined with reduced access to and awareness of relevant healthcare resources, this has a major health impact on the Latinx population in the United States. Furthermore, the Latinx community is more likely to hold jobs in occupations such as migrant workers with environmental health risks ranging from air pollutants to chemical exposure. This is where the son of migrant farm workers, Luis Nasvitis Torres, comes into the conversation. Luis works in Washington, D.C. at Earth Justice, a nonprofit firm with a pretty cool name. Imagine if the environment had a personal lawyer. Earth Justice would be it. All of its cases are fought on behalf of communities for free. 
Cases are litigated to protect Mother Nature from the Arctic Ocean to the Rio Grande River, which is where Luis grew up. He hails from the rural farming community of Laredo, Texas. Luis and his family are part of a frontline community, a fancy term that basically describes any minority community that wasn't afforded a safe neighborhood status with clean drinking water and restrictions on hazardous manufacturing. These are the zip codes where black and brown families were pushed into and where agriculture and industry often experiment with pollutants to ensure profits are made. Luis works on a daily basis to educate legislators and communities about the need to fight for the environment. And today, he wants to talk to you directly to inspire you to get involved. I want to welcome to the show my good friend Luis Nasvitis Torres, a social justice warrior from South Texas, who came to Washington, D.C. to work on important issues for the community. He currently works at Earth Justice, which sounds like a band of superheroes fighting for the planet. He is here to talk about his superpowers and how you can get involved. Welcome to the show, Luis, and tell us how you got politically involved in social justice. Well, that's right. I think I'm, I would like to say that my lived experiences have helped me enter this social justice space. I'm a first generation Mexican-American from the border, the 956. La Frontera, as we say. Yes. I went to public schools. I was the first in my family to go to college, financial aid, scholarships, work study, you name it. And I've been a teacher. I've run tutoring programs. I worked on Capitol Hill. And I think those experiences have given me a front row seat, I think, to understand the struggle and hard work that people have to go through. Not just my sort of own personal struggles, but I think our communities struggle people struggling to find work trying to make it in their jobs struggling to pay their bills trying to pay for health care elderly care daycare college students trying to pay for school for student loans parents wanting safe affordable housing clean water clean food good communities to raise their families all those things are of a personal interest to me but they've also been an academic interest to me I think largely it's because I know what it's like not to have health care. I know what yep. it's like to have We've family. all been there. We've all been there. And so I decided to become an advocate because as I had opportunities to learn about how the system works, it made me upset because I saw that Washington was broken. And I think that we are, in a way, looking at a system that forgets where... It, it comes from and forgets the people it's serving. So that's why I've decided to dedicate my life to social justice work. And so I've been working here alongside with you and many other people to try to do something. What interests me is that you started, um, <clears throat> you came to Washington working for one of the congressmen, one representing West Texas, Silva uh, Sorres. That's right. Great man. I actually went to his office trying to help uh, repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. He actually voted to repeal it, so I'm forever grateful to Congressman Reyes. You worked for him for a while, and rather than staying in probably one of the most powerful institutions on the planet, um, the Congress, uh, U.S. Congress, you decided to go to the social justice route. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, when I met you in LULAC, where you did a lot of great work being their legislative person, policy person, and then you did the switch to earth justice. What made you go to earth justice? Well, I'm the son of a migrant farmer, right? So I grew up listening to my father's stories about his life in the fields and the work, the backbreaking work, the hours under the sun, and the constant exposure to pesticides which made it difficult for him to breathe, which irritated his skin, which made his family sick. And to this day, actually, my father and his family, they suffer from all sorts of ailments. We suspect from the long-term exposure to those toxic chemicals that were sprayed on the crops when they were harvesting during a very uh, critical, formative, developmental uh, time for my father and his brothers and sisters. My grandfather... Because we're talking when they were young. They were young. They've been working all their lives. Like many of our families, even my uh, parents worked in the fields. Um, yeah. When they're supposed to be, you know, at home eating nutritious food, <laughs> playing with friends that were spending long 12-hour days in it's the fields. A, it's a hard life. And the consequences of that hard life is that there are risks involved and some risks are very great. My grandfather, for example, has prostate cancer and something that we attribute to long-term pesticide exposure, at least in my family. And it's something that is known that these chemicals, they cause all sorts of uh, cancers and they're responsible for uh, their neurotoxic chemicals. They're not safe. And so because of that personal history, I became drawn to earth justice. Uh, and I joined uh, two years ago after learning of the work that they were doing to fight chemicals like chlorpyrifos, which is um, a very toxic chemical. It's in the news. It's been in the news. Uh, they've been doing exposés on what happens and the people impacted. And Actually, LULAC National was a client of Earth Justice um, to fight this chemical, along with other organizations like the farm workers. And so that's how I learned about Earth Justice. And I said, I want to work with them. So what are some of the projects that you're currently working on at Earth Justice that we should know about? You just mentioned one, one big one. Sure. So for those who don't know what Earth Justice is, Earth Justice is a nonprofit public interest environmental law firm. And so for 40 years, we have been working in collaboration with organizations and communities to fight for clean air, water, land, and food. And we do this work with communities and organizations free of charge because we believe that our communities have the right to air with zero pollution, water with zero contamination, land with zero waste, food with zero toxic chemicals, and wildlife and lands that are free from the dangers of human-caused destruction. Only by fighting for these things can we achieve and protect the health and safety our community so our work takes many different shapes yeah it's just like amazing because you've secured a lot of long overdue historic limits on our nation's worst polluting industries but I never hear about you you're always in the background <laughs> I never hear about earth justice you know I, I hear about the cases being won when we when these you know these winds come but we I don't get to hear the words earth justice that's right and you know what that is something we are proud of because we are in this to fight and to represent our clients so we represent our clients they are the ones at the front we are assisting them in their fights to protect our land water air and food 
And there's been no other organization during Trump's presidency that has filed more lawsuits to protect the environment than Earth Justice. You got 15 offices across the United States, 130 full-time lawyers, and a lot of cases that you're working on. And we're actually now at, um, and I was looking at some of the statistics, we've actually grown, almost tripled our staff now. We're at over 400 now. Wow. Uh, uh, staff, communications, attorneys, legislative staff. And over the last several years, we've filed hundreds of cases to protect the environment and defend the health of our communities against the Trump administrations. 40 cases have been decided on, on their merits. Of those, we have won 33 of them. We have an 83% uh, win rate. And uh, I can tell you about some of those challenges uh, that we've presented. Some of them are critical for um, our air, some for wildlife, others for food. I will share with you, for example, our work to protect the Arctic and our Atlantic Ocean's defense. A federal court struck down Executive Order 13795, ruling that President Trump had overstepped his constitutional authority and violated federal law. The, administ the administration had attempted to reverse a plan, uh, a ban, I should, say, I should say, on oil and gas drilling in the majority of the Arctic Ocean and the ruling prevented them from leasing um, and uh, getting rid of some of the protections for that drilling. But we've also had other wins on chlorpyrifos, for example, which is what I was talking about earlier. A three-judge panel ordered the EPA to decide whether or not to ban chlorpyrifos, which is a dangerous pesticide known to be harmful to human health and wildlife. The agency had reversed its own proposal, refusing to ban chlorpyrifos in 2017. They haven't banned it yet, so on August 6th of last year, we took them to court again for defying a federal court order to ban the pesticide. It's good that you told me that you've been increasing staff because we need, especially communication staff, because we need to make these stories get out there. Um, a lot of people don't pay attention to the court cases. They need to see the visuals, the visual impact of your wins. Like everybody is still like uh, in shock over that poor polar bear, that skin. You know, we've seen that image. Right. He's walking on what's left of an ice of an iceberg uh, out there in the Arctic, skinny because he can't find food. His, the it's a powerful visual that people are saying shit. This planet's going to waste you yeah. know we need your story that you just shared about farm workers growing up with these pesticides i mean this is stuff that we fought for in the 60s the latino community cesar chavez but we're still fighting the same fight with stronger chemicals that are very hard to get rid of that's right so how's how's the latino and lgbtq community what do they have to do to step it up to include the environment in their political platforms because this has to be a coalition we're dealing with an administration that's clearly reversed some of the epa rules on these chemicals that are harmful they said that the science is not conclusive which was our reasoning for backtracking on some of the gains made during the obama administration but what are we doing to build coalitions in different minority communities 
Well, I think you hit on a very important point here, which is that it's a very pivotal time for the Latinx community to be involved and the LGBT community to be involved because we are seeing these attacks on critical environmental bedrock laws like the National Environmental Policy Act, which is one of the few federal laws that requires public engagement in any uh, federal construction project. Uh, that requires environmental reviews, assessments, impact studies, for example. And uh, it's under attack constantly, but not just that law, the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act, all that are bedrock laws that protect us and ensure that we have clean water, air, land, and food. Um, I, I want to share a couple of facts because I think uh, I want to illustrate the point of how our community is at the front lines. Over 55% of Latinos live in states that are already experiencing the adverse effects of climate change. Those states are Florida, Texas, and California. 55% of us live in those states. In those states, we're seeing severe droughts, we're seeing flooding, we're seeing all sorts of weather phenomena, we're seeing excess heat, and these things are ravaging the health the economy, the well-being of our people in those states. I want to point out a statistic on asthma as an example. Over 3.6 million Latinos in the U.S. are suffering from asthma, and Latinos are the group most likely to not receive care for their asthma illness. And this is exacerbated by our addiction to dirty fuels, and we are bearing the brunt of that pollution, of the emissions that are going into the air. So we are at the front lines of what's happening in the environment, and we're the ones that are drinking the dirty water, that are breathing the dirty air. We're forced to because we're, <clears throat> we're sent to those neighborhoods because of economic, not being able to afford nicer neighborhoods, or because they don't want us mm -hmm. in their side of town, so we're stuck to the section of town that doesn't have access to cleaner water. Yeah, and I think there are historical reasons for why Latinos have been uh, in many ways left out of opportunities. And also the government has failed us in many ways. People are not being served based on their zip codes at times. And leaving that to chance is not how we are going to get things done. If we want to change that, we have to do something about it. People have to learn about it. They have to take action. They have to become empowered and do something. What are some of the basic easy to do things our listeners today can do to help Earth Justice? Well, I would say get involved with organizations like LULAC Lambda, like your local civic groups, like your local LGBT groups or other volunteer organizations. So just join an organization, number one, that's affiliated with and that supports environmental causes. Absolutely. Or even just a, an organization that's supporting the development of your community, that's building movement, that's building leadership, that's providing opportunities for people to participate. Participation is the biggest threat to these politicians and policymakers who aren't keeping us at the top of the agenda. When we participate, we push 
our agenda and our interests to the top. So join organizations that are doing that. If they have lobby days, participate in the lobby days. Get informed, educate your families. If these organizations are allowing you an opportunity to call and contact your members of Congress or your city representatives or your state representatives, do it. And if you can, donate. Donate a, a little bit, a lot, whatever you can, but do it and do it consistently. I think that's what helps build community power and sustains the movement. And for Latinos who say, you want me to donate where I'm mm -hmm. barely making it? But you know what? We go to, for some of us, we go to church every Sunday. And that dollar that you put in that church basket, you can find another dollar just as, that's going to do just as much as good, you know, helping out causes mm -hmm. that are going to help out the environment. That's true. So we're, we're, we're some of the biggest givers. We don't think of ourselves as being a, a donor class, but we are. Every Sunday, our families donate to the Catholic Church. Like crazy. So um, what are some of the major cases that we should be looking forward to seeing this year um, from our justice? Well, there are a lot of them, but in particular, I'm especially proud of the case against Trump's border wall. Being from the border myself and seeing the potential devastation down there from this wall, um, this is a particular personal one. So in that case, we're representing an organization called the Rio Grande International Study Center and we are fighting with them to protect the land, water, wildlife, the cultural sites that rely and depend on the Rio Grande. Exactly. The, the wall is, you know, it's, it's a radical assault on the ecology of the border region. There are millions of people who rely on the Rio Grande as their only source of drinking water on the U.S. and the Mexican side. And the wall it's not just about the cost of building the wall, but the cost of building and maintaining the wall, the lands you have to confiscate from property owners, the lands you have to condemn from property owners who don't want to give you their land or from businesses who don't want to give you the land. Uh, it's about the raising of the habitat for animals who, who are down there, many of them that are species that are so rare and unique to that region. Uh, plant wildlife as well. So it's a lot more than the wall just coming through. It's the ecological impact, the cultural impact, the economic impact. But beyond that, the case is also about who gets to decide what happens to the people and the lives and the future of the border. Is it people in Washington or should it be the people who live there? We think it should be the people who live there. And the people who live there say, we do not want a wall. If people want to learn more about Earth Justice, um, where can they go to learn more? Like, what's your website and social media handles? Sure. So I would say start at our website, earthjustice.org. Sign up to receive our newsletters. We have action alerts as well that um, you can uh, receive and they'll flag opportunities for you to contact your member of Congress or to weigh in on an important rule, for example. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook. You can look us up on Twitter. Our handle there is at Earth Justice. And we post updates on our, our different cases, alerts. We share stories of the clients that we're representing and you'll get to see a little bit more about who we are and the work we're doing. 
Thank you so much, Luis. I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all this information for our listeners. Um, I wish you the best of luck and um, see you see you on the road out there. Thank you.